welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. U.S. imposes ban on oil, natural gas, and coal from Russia. Venezuela frees jail American as discussions ensue on deal to replace Russian oil. Maritime consultant warns of Caribbean backlash from sanctions against Russian superyacht owners. U.S. Assistant Secretary of State visiting Haiti for talks with government leaders. Puerto Rico scraps debt restructuring deal for power company. Jamaica's public sector compensation restructuring to cost more than $100 billion over three years. British Virgin Islands government seeking climate change trust fund board nominees. And Caribbean Airlines resumes flights to Curacao. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, March 9th. We start a report today with a look at economic sanctions on Russia and the impacts. Business Insider reports that U.S. President Joseph Biden announced on Tuesday that the U.S. would ban Russian energy imports, stepping up an economic sanctions campaign for its invasion of Ukraine. The ban will affect imports of Russian oil, liquefied natural gas and coal. Bloomberg first reported the latest sanctions on Russia. The U.S. president acknowledged that not every European country would join in a blanket ban on Russian energy imports. Separately, the European Commission unveiled a plan Tuesday morning to diversify gas supplies and speed up the rollout of renewable gases, which it said could reduce the EU's demand for Russian gas by two-thirds before the end of the year. The development came amid an escalating financial campaign from the U.S. and its Western allies. The U.S. and other European nations have already taken steps to cut off Russia from assessing international cash reserves. Compared with Europe, the U.S. has little reliance on Russian energy supplies. The U.S. imports 8% of the total of 85 million barrels a day of crude oil and refined products such as gasoline or heating oil last year from Russia, according to data from the Energy Information Administration. The European Union gets 40% of its natural gas from Russia, which has the world's largest reserves. Russia is also the third biggest oil producer, accounting for about 12% of global oil production. The Virgin Islands Free Press reports that the Venezuelan government freed at least one jail American on Tuesday night as it seeks to improve relations with U.S. President Biden's administration, which is looking to undercut support for Russia in Latin America. A non-governmental group that tracks arbitrary detentions and another person familiar with the matter confirmed to the Associated Press the release of Gustavo Cardenas, one of six oil executives jailed for more than four years. The move follows a weekend visit to Venezuela by senior U.S. Biden administration officials, including the top White House official on Latin America and the State Department's top negotiator. The release came hours after Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro signaled an interest in improving relations with the U.S. amid Russia's invasion of Ukraine and concerns in the United States over rising gas prices. Three other Americans are also being held in Venezuela. St. Lucia Times reports that maritime consultant and economist Cuthbert Didier believes that sanctions against Russian oligarchs who own superyachts could hurt the Caribbean, at least in the short term. 
The super yachts are under surveillance in the Caribbean as the owners seek safe ports for the vessels. United States President Joe Biden recently vowed to join European allies in finding and seizing the yachts over the Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Maritime consultants Cuthbert Didier told St. Lucia Times that Russian mega yachts had been a big thing for the Caribbean, from the British Virgin Islands down to Venezuela. As a result, he explained that sanctions could have consequences in the short term for the yachting sectors in places like Antigua, St. Martin, British Virgin Islands, St. Thomas, and to a certain extent, St. Lucia and Grenada. However, I think in the long run, as these investors, these Russian billionaires organize their papers, I think this will go away in about six months, the maritime consultant stated. St. Martin Island Times via routers reports that as the U.S. and other Western nations tighten sanctions on Russia and Russian-owned businesses and assets, the Liberia flag Skovkonflot, owned by oil tanker SC Neva, had to abruptly change course from Canada. The vessel arrived in the Bahamas in the Caribbean, vessel data showed. The vessel was carrying bunker fuel for Canada's Irvin Oil, the company said. It loaded in mid-February in Colombia and made a stop at a storage terminal in St. Eustatius in the Caribbean, according to tanker tracking data. As countries impose formal and informal restrictions on Russian vessels, many might also be rerouted to Asia, officials say. Bahamas Eyewitness News reports that Bahamas Central Bank Governor John Roll said Bahamian-based institutions have been advised to take appropriate measures and stand prepared to adopt any official position taken by the government with respect to sanctions against Russian entities. This comes as several international banks have already complied with their respective countries' sanctions on Russian institution and oligarchs. The Bahamas has strongly condemned Russia's invasion of Ukraine, joining 140 other United Nations members in demanding that Russia withdraw its military forces from the country. But it has not taken a formal position on imposing sanctions, notwithstanding a recent formal request by the United States to join its allies in issuing sanctions to impose severe consequences on Russia and hold its government accountable. In a statement yesterday, the Bahamian cabinet said the matter of sanctions was discussed extensively and the government was in consultation with partners and stakeholders, both domestic and international. In the meantime, we are advising all entities within the Bahamas that they ought to deal with appropriate caution in respect to any transactions in our country with Russian individuals and entities who have been sanctioned by the United States, European Union, Canada, and the United Kingdom the cabinet office said. Bahamas Eyewitness News reports that the Bahamas recently signed onto a framework with the United Nations called the Multi-Country Sustainable Development Framework. The Multi-Country Sustainable Development Framework is the primary roadmap for UN partnership with member states of the Caribbean. It allows for greater strategic engagement by the UN on the instruction of the Bahamian government. Frameworks like this have been developed for countries around the world with an aim of achieving Agenda 2030 and with it, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals for the Globe. Dr. Gary Connell, 
UN resident coordinator traveled to the Bahamas with the delegation of UN country team members to participate in the signing. He outlined the multi-country sustainable development frameworks for priority areas and the common threads with the Bahamian government's priorities, shared prosperity and economic resilience. The UN will support the country's agenda to recover, rebuild, revolutionize the Bahamian economy through the technical expertise and mobilizing power of the UN and its partners, equality, well-being, and leaving no one behind. The UN will continue to see UN agencies supporting the government's response in ending the health and socioeconomic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and building resilience and preparedness for future health emergencies. Resilience to climate change and shocks and sustainable natural resource management, peace, safety, justice, and the rule of law. This partnership framework is a plan of action for people, planet, and prosperity, according to the UN. It also seeks to strengthen universal peace in larger freedom. Sinkett's Observer reports that the United States Assistant Secretary of State for Conflict and Stabilization, Operations, Ann Witkowski, is visiting Haiti for talks with top Haitian officials and a diverse array of Haitian stakeholders. The U.S. State Department said Witkowski's visit was for the period of March 7 through to today, March 9, to meet with the Prime Minister Ariel Henry and members of the Montana Group in support of an inclusive Haitian-led political dialogue. The Assistant Secretary will also meet a diverse array of Haitian stakeholders, including civil society and women leaders, to reinforce the U.S. government's long-term commitment to the Haitian people by promoting long-term stability and development, and to discuss U.S. support for Haitian solutions to issues facing the country. The statement said the Assistant Secretary would also highlight the United States' ongoing support for security sector capacity building with Haitian officials and civil society representatives and reaffirm U.S. commitment to a Haitian-led restoration of democratic institutions. In addition, it said Witkowski marked International Women's Day with the United Nations staff and Haitian women leaders to recognize the vital role of women in conflict resolution and in the economy and reinforce the U.S. government's commitment to strengthen gender equality and meaningfully engaging women as equal partners in economic, political, and security decisions. Puerto Rico's Governor Pedro Pelosi on Tuesday announced that his administration was canceling a proposed debt restructuring deal for the island's public power company, calling it unfeasible. The deal had been in the works for several years and was delayed by the pandemic. The island's Electric Power Authority holds more than $9 billion of that debt the largest of any government agency, and economists consider restructuring that debt key for the island's economic progress. Governor Perlusi said that the current proposed deal is neither feasible nor in Puerto Rico's best interest. Both the board and the governor's office said worldwide economic conditions, including rising inflation and surging prices of oil, have changed significantly since the agreement was negotiated with creditors in 2019. On Monday, the Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis criticized the plan, saying it ignores Puerto Rico's financial vulnerability and puts the future of its energy grid at risk. 
Tom Senzillo, director of financial analysis for an Ohio-based nonprofit, said the deal would have imposed significant rate increase while repaying bondholders for $8.2 billion of legacy debt. He said that by imposing new debt service to pay off old debt, the deal would have canceled any benefit of the $12 billion Puerto Rico is slated to receive from the U.S. federal government to rebuild its power grid following Hurricane Maria. Jose Carabaya Cuto, a Puerto Rican economist and university professor, praised rejection of the plan, adding that a good debt restructuring deal cannot leave a government with more liabilities than assets. It was a good decision, he said, noting that the cost of energy in Puerto Rico is one of the highest in any U.S. jurisdiction and that the proposed deal would have led to even more increases in power bills amid ongoing outages. Dominican Today reports that on Tuesday, the government of Puerto Rico presented the island's economic opportunities to Dominican businessmen in a virtual seminar. Discuss was the need for Dominican labor for reconstruction projects in Puerto Rico. Officials from Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic and more than 40 businessmen addressed the Puerto Rican recovery and reconstruction process after the disasters caused by Hurricane Maria in 2017. According to a government state Governor Pedro Pelosi's administration offered a preview of nearly 2,000 construction projects on the island, which include housing, infrastructure works, energy, and commercial incentives. Puerto Rico's Secretary of State Omar Morero explained the efforts of the Puerto Rican executive to speed up the reconstruction process after the allocation of federal funds amounting to $85 million, which he described as a historic opportunity. In order to achieve an effective execution, it is necessary to recruit all the capacities to advance the reconstruction, including from other jurisdictions that range from labor, construction companies, materials, and heavy equipment, Marrero pointed out. The involvement of Dominican companies in these projects is facilitated by an agreement last December to strengthen commercial, cultural, sports, and corporation relations, among other areas of mutual interest. Dominican collaboration will also be necessary for the energy sector. The government of Puerto Rico aims to produce 40% of its energy from renewable sources by 2025, 60% by 2040, and 100% by 2050. Francisco Biros Sportella, director of the energy policy at the Department of Economic Development, explained that the island has some 4,000 workers in the renewable energy industry, but that 16,000 are needed to meet the proposed goals. Jamaica Public Information Service reports that it will cost the government of Jamaica more than $100 billion to restructure the system of public sector compensation over the next three years. This was announced by Jamaica's Minister of Finance on the Public Service, Dr. the Honorable Nigel Clark, who said that approximately $17 billion of the sum relates to certain categories of allowances that up until the current fiscal year have been classified in programs and not wages. He was delivering the opening presentation in the 2022-2023 budget debate in the House of Representatives on Tuesday, March 8, under the theme, 
recovery, reform, and restoration. The restructuring exercise is intended to overhaul the system of salaries and other payments in the public service to make it more equitable. Dr. Clark said that while implementation is slated to commence on April 1, 2022, that does not mean that April paychecks will reflect the new restructured compensation system. First, we want to have the opportunity to continue our engagement with public sector unions and bargaining groups, provide more information and fine-tune the system. We then propose that early in the second quarter of the new fiscal year 2022-2023, the implementation will begin, but it will be effective retroactive to April 1, 2022, he explained. He reiterated that no public sector employees' net pay will be lower consequent to the new compensation system, but rather higher. The current public sector compensation structure comprises 325 salary scales and 185 allowances. BVINews.com reports that the government of the British Virgin Islands is now actively seeking applicants from the private sector and non-governmental organization to form a new climate change trust fund board. This move comes three years following its disbandment. According to the notice, the board serves to facilitate links between domestic and international climate change finance sources and serves as a catalyst to attract investments to implement priority climate change adaptation and mitigation actions. The board also functions as the national implementing entity to receive direct financing from any external sources to carry out climate change adaptation and mitigation projects and programs. The Board of Trustees is primarily responsible for providing the organization with sound governance, fiduciary, and strategic oversight and direction. It is also required to oversee the operations of the organization, ensuring that the public trust is upheld. The mission addresses the climate resilient strategic actions for the British Virgin Islands. The practices are ethical and legal requirements are met. Another responsibility of the board is assuring the financial integrity and solvency of the organization and establishing procedures to safeguard the organization from fraud and risk. The closing date for applications and nominations to the board is March 29th. And finally, Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that from April 5th, Caribbean Airlines Limited will resume its service between Piarco Airport and Curacao International. In a release to the media this morning, Caribbean Airlines said nonstop flights from Trinidad and Curacao will fly the route with its Boeing 737 fleet twice a week. It said the schedule is time to facilitate convenient regional and international connections throughout Caribbean Airlines network. A schedule shows flights between the island will be available on Friday and Tuesday. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, March 9th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.